Hey, Kansas City, you're listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a new podcast from KCUR Studios by me, Gina Kaufman. This week, just as some of us started detecting a glimmer of light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, came the announcement that yet another staple of Kansas City life would not be seeing the other side of this thing. I'm talking about the Alamo Draft House. The revelation was extra sad for Kansas Cityans who experienced downtown's revival through nights at the movies. Going to a rehabbed old theater in the heart of downtown meant choosing the central city, not for something with a lot of hype, like a concert, but for something low-key. Dinner and a movie, a casual night out. Of course, right now there is nothing casual about a night out. And for the germiverse among us, a movie in a theater no longer promises an hour and a half of escape. You can't lose yourself in a movie when going anywhere means being vigilant, means not losing yourself. For the last year, we've watched movies on our couches. We've watched movies in backyards. We've watched movies in our cars. Basically, we've watched movies everywhere but movie theaters. The Alamo closing leaves just one movie theater within range of downtown. It also leaves a few depressing questions. Is the drop in movie attendance temporary or permanent? Have people realized how much they miss watching movies in a theater, setting the stage for a revival? Or is the movie-going tradition nearing its end? Adam Roberts isn't sure. He's one of the owners of Screenland Armor, the last indie art house left standing Surviving the last year is a major validation that Screenland armor means something special to its patrons. Adam is in his 30s, making him one of the youngest movie theater owners in the country. Most are in their 50s or 60s. He knows that if anyone can adapt to the changing entertainment landscape, he can. He doesn't have decades of conventional wisdom to unlearn. He gets younger audiences. But Alamo Drafthouse closing is not a good sign. Any theater closing is a sad thing and it kind of gets us in a weird position of like, is that us one day? I don't know. This time last year, Screenland Armor shut down for a couple of months, then reopened with restrictions. Four empty seats between people, mask wearing at all times. But even now, diehard fans are the only ones showing up and business is down about 75% from the previous year. Weather's turning nice, cases are getting low, you know, vaccines are going up, all those things are happening that help retail and food. But what that doesn't do is that doesn't have studios releasing movies right now. And you only go to movie theaters when there's new movies to see. Even if there was no cases tomorrow, there's not a movie coming out tomorrow, right? And there's not gonna be a movie coming out next week. So when people finally flock back to restaurants and bars and live music venues, will movie theaters get the same love? Adam is hopeful. So we can't predict what's going to happen or who's going to come back or, or or anything like that. But what we can see is how other other places around the world are doing. So when China opened up their theaters fully uh, and a couple new movies were out, and these were specific to the Asian markets, they made their biggest box office in history in six days. They did over a billion dollars in that six days. So what that says is people are craving to get out of the house, get off the couch, and still see movies. So I think that there's going to be this revolution for the, all the arts. Joan Dean agrees about the coming revolution for the arts. She thinks we're all hungry to be part of an audience, but she's not convinced we'll want to do that in the dark, sitting quietly side by side. She thinks people will favor activities with more participation, 
dancing to live music, cheering for the royals, protesting in the streets. I should explain Joan Dean is a retired professor of dramatic literature at UMKC, where she taught a film class with mandatory screenings at the Tivoli. We insisted that these were meant to be seen on a big screen where you were immersed in a dark room with a group of people watching this particular thing. And that was an alien experience. Even 20 years ago, she says getting people to sit through a movie in a theater was a struggle. We would not let people use their phones. And that was the greatest source of resistance. I can remember early on, one woman got a phone call and she was, she pulled her coat over her head and she was talking on her phone. And I had to go over and say, I'm sorry, there are 200 people in the theater and we're listening to you. Joan Dean kind of suspects the pandemic has sealed the deal for generations not accustomed to sitting quietly to receive a show. But after a year of casual movie watching on the couch, Adam Roberts at Screenland Armor thinks people may finally understand the unique value of a theater. We have what we think is a cinematic experience at our house. But, it, but you know, it's not just about picture and sound. So much of going to the movies is the environment around you, the people around you, the, the oohs and the ahs and the screams and the laughs that go on throughout the, the course of the film. And you can't replicate that at home, no matter how hard you try. It is not the same experience because you could hit pause, right? You could pull out your phone. There's no, there's no rules. You could talk the entire time. And that ruins the entire experience. So going to the movies gives everything a fair chance. It makes you be quiet. It makes you focus and put your attention forward. It's just like a, a you know, roller coaster ride. You can't stop what's happening. And that is so important to, to going to the movies. Meanwhile, people are setting up outdoor movie theaters in their backyards. The drive-through has gone from being an oddball destination with a cult following to being a mainstream solution. It's almost gone back to being a national pastime. People are organizing tweet-alongs for watching favorite movies together, but with everyone at home in pajamas. The ability to fully customize the movie experience may be harder for people to let go of than they think. Greg Dedrick is the creator of a Kansas City podcast called Nerds of Nostalgia, built around live screenings for geeking out over movies. Greg says he's socially awkward. If by some mistake he shows up at a party, his patented move is to stand in a corner and play with animals. I realized that my true social interactions came from at work and in the theater. And then last year around this time when both of those were kind of taken away, it frightened me. It panicked me initially. Greg is actively championing his theater, Screenland Armor, because he'd be crushed if he ever lost it again like he did last spring. So I ask him the dreaded question. What if his movie theater closes? What if all the movie theaters close? What's he going to do with the rest of his life? His response is a thought I now cling to when I worry that movie going in the way I'm used to might not come back. Movies are about making real the impossible. If you love movies, you have to believe in that. We're not in the theater. I'm going to cry a little, but then I'm going to compose myself and we're going to go to Jurassic Park. There's one thing the history of evolution has taught us. It's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but uh, life uh, finds a way. Life finds a way. 
movies will find a way, you know, that community will find a way. And you know, maybe this Jurassic Park analogy makes me a dinosaur, but I'm okay with that. Thanks for listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a weekly podcast from KCUR Studios. It's based on a column at kcur.org, edited by Barb Shelley. Mackenzie Martin produces the podcast with music by Blue Dot Sessions. You can get it at kcur.org or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.